Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. We're in the series called Dangerous Prayers, and we're actually now on episode number three. And I hope the last two episodes have been challenging and enlightening to you. It has definitely been thought-provoking. And speaking about thought-provoking, the message title for today is called God Send Me. And this is an amazing prayer to pray. A lot of times our prayers are about God taking care of us. God protect us. God provide for us. God continue to sustain us. God work things out for us. And those are great prayers because it talks them about the amazing capacity of God providing for us because he is a providing God. But today we're going to ask you to add on a different component to those existing prayers. And this is a component to really open up our lives to be used by God. And so the prayers, rather than say, God, take care of me, we're saying, God, Help me be beneficial to you. What can we do for you? And this is really a prayer of availability. We're opening up our lives to be used by God. And when you do pray this prayer, your life is going to take a brand new trajectory. It's going to take you to an exciting place because you never know what this will lead to. Perhaps it will lead to you discovering your true purpose. Perhaps it will lead to you discovering what your genuine calling is on life. But regardless, it will lead you to encounter a brand new experience that might, in case, deepen your relationship with God. You see, God is always prompting us or calling us into his great purpose. And a lot of times we might not be actually listening when God speaks. So today we want to talk about three different responses to God's calling. And all of us actually fit into one of these areas. And then we want to talk about three ways that will enable us to pray this amazing prayer God send me. And so let's start with the three responses to God's call. And so the number one response comes from Jonah. And this is what Jonah says. Here I am. I'm not going. Right? That's what God calls Jonah to a a great task. And he says, God, I'm here, but I'm definitely not going. Now, a lot of times we might identify with this, you know, because we might not be ready. But this is what the scriptures actually tell us in Jonah chapter 1. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come before me. But Jonah, get this, ran away from the Lord. He said, I'm here, but I'm just not going. In fact, he ran in the opposite direction. You see, a lot of times when God does call us, and a lot of us are called by God, sometimes we just say, like Jonah said, Okay, God, I'm just not going. You know, I'm not ready to do this. I'm not prepared to do this. God might be leading us into something or guiding us into a certain, certain area of our life. And we're like, you know what? This is just not happening. You ever walk by someone on the street, perhaps, you know, there's someone begging or a homeless person that's in need. And you had a feeling that maybe you should do something, buy them a meal or, or drop a coin. But you ignore that feeling and just walk on by. 
You know, where did that feeling come from? Perhaps it's God prompting you to do something, to help someone in need. But we say, you know what, I'm just not going to. And we rationalize it and we walk on by. And we, all of us, we get these feelings sometimes to help someone in need or to do something to someone maybe standing on the street or you're driving by and, and there's a, a car accident or someone in need, their car broke down and, and you feel the need to stop, but then you make a decision and just drive on by. And we, we, we respond like Jonah, I'm just not going to do it, right? And a lot of times we say, I'm just not going to do it. It's just too much going on in my life. You know, I'm not prepared enough. I'm not willing enough. What if this happens? What if that happens? And so here I am, but I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not prepared to do that. And so often we just walk on by or pass on by or drive on by. And we just ignore that feeling or that urge that's been placed within us. And so the number one is, here I am, I'm not going. Now, that's not the response that we want to do. Of course, Jonah did change his mind. And all of these people that we talk about actually obeyed God's call eventually. But his first response was, I'm not going. And so if we come to number two, and that's Moses. And this is what Moses says. Here I am. Don't send me. Send someone else. Here I am. Don't send me. And this comes to us, you know, from Exodus. And we read this scripture. So now I'm, going, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Send someone else. Send Aaron. He can speak. I can't speak. You know, I'm just not able to. I'm not good enough. We disqualify ourselves based on our own interpretation of what we think about ourselves. I'm not good enough to do this. So just send someone else, God. You know, I'm not able to do this. I'm not smart enough to do this. Why don't you find another person? I'm not going to give because there's other people that earn much more money than me that they can give. You know, I'm not going to volunteer because there might be people that have been here longer than I have and they can serve. I'm not prepared to serve. I'm just not ready. I just don't have the time. There's too much stuff going on in my life. I'm not willing to sacrifice that. I have other things to worry about. Send someone else. Pick someone else. Let someone else do it. Again, we don't want to fall into this area as well. And then we come to the third individual, and his name is Isaiah. And this is what Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Now, if it was up to you and me, all of us would want to fall into this third category, this third response to what Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And so we read in Isaiah chapter 6, he says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah sticks up his hand and he says, And I said, Here I am, send me. So if you'd want to be any of these three individuals, which one would you want to be? All of us would say Isaiah. And here's the question. What is stopping you? What is stopping you from being like Isaiah? What's stopping you from saying, God, send me? You know, a lot of times we have all of these questions in our mind, in the back of our mind, and, you know, the scenarios that might or might not happen. And so we have questions, you know, like what's going to happen? Well, what didn't Isaiah say? Well, he didn't say, okay, God, so what exactly are you calling me to do? Can you give me a full job description of what exactly I'm signing up for? How long is this going to take? What do I need to give up? 
What benefit is there if I sign up to this call? Do I get some time off? What are the, the holiday you know, schedules about? Do I have to do this all the time or is this a part-time gig? What do I have to do exactly? He didn't say any of these things. And he prayed this bold prayer and he said this bold thing, Lord, here I am, send me, I'm available for whatever you're calling me to do, for wherever I'm supposed to go, for whatever it is that's necessary, I'm willing to go. God, here I am, send me. But how did Isaiah actually get to this place? How do we actually get to this place of fully surrendering to God? And that's what I want to talk about in the next little while. The three benefits or the three instances of how we can get to this place of praying this dangerous prayer, God, send me. Number one is this. It comes from a genuine experience with the presence of God. And if you go back a little bit in the text of what, before Isaiah said, God send me, you hear this. It says this in uh, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. It says, In the year King, King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. You know, there's angels all about. And Isaiah has this amazing experience of, of seeing these angelic beings, the seraphim singing, holy, holy, holy. And he sees the Lord high and lifted up and the robe, the train of his robe just filled the temple. And Isaiah had this amazing experience. But what's noteworthy is that it mentions that after King Uzziah died, that's when Isaiah had this experience. It seems like King Uzziah was a distraction to Isaiah. He was taking his attention and putting it on the king. But when the king was taken out of the picture, Isaiah had a genuine experience. And sometimes, you know, we have so many distractions in our life that it prevents us from having a genuine experience with God. Sometimes things have to be taken out of our life before we have a genuine experience. And, you know, this situation, this lockdown, this COVID situation has given us some of the things that Isaiah is talking about because it's removed certain distractions from our life and allowed us the opportunity to have a genuine experience. Whether we have or not is totally dependent on us. Have we fixed our eyes on Jesus? Or have we allowed other things to come in and take away our attention? You see, the reality is this. When you have a genuine experience with God, you will be passionate about the call of God on your life. There's so many things that stir up within your spirit when you have this genuine experience. Maybe, here's a thought, maybe our lack of experience is directly related to our willingness to answer the call. I can remember in my own life, you know, getting into this place where God speaks to you. And it happens so many different places, you know. But I remember distinctly the, the, the heaviness of the anointing and God's just flowing and God's presence so real and so close because I generally sought him and I generally sought this experience. It was in that moment, in those moments of closeness with God, in those genuine experiences that I truly discovered what God had called me to do. It wasn't me just sitting on a park bench, you know, thinking about life that made me come to my calling. It was this genuine experience in the presence of God that opened up my life to God's calling on my life. And I remember that place where God spoke and God guided and that changed the tra trajectory of my life. 
You know, in fact, the scripture says this, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. And it doesn't have to be some, you know, cosmic encounter for you to discover your purpose. You could be driving somewhere with a worship song in your car, just giving God praise and that presence of God comes near and you feel that presence and you experience that genuine experience. It could be when you're praying. It certainly happens then as well, you know, when you're praying and focusing your attention on God. Maybe it's in a worship experience in church where you come together with other Christ followers and, and your focus is on God and you lean in a little bit more. Because remember, God is always speaking it's not that we're always listening maybe when we seek him intentionally we will experience him genuinely and so it's important to realize that Isaiah had a genuine experience with his presence before he said God send me you know and so that's important for us and so number two of the of Isaiah's experience is this a genuine awareness of your unworthiness. And that's what Isaiah experienced as well. You know, the biggest lie in our culture is that everyone is a good person. And the reality is that on the outside, we all might appear to be good people, especially those who have not come to Christ. You know, that thought process leads them down this path to think because of their generosity in their works and how they do things and the community, that they are genuinely good people. And that's the furthest thing from the truth But because the reality is that we all put masks on, we all hide our true intents, and so we want other people to think that we are good, but inside we might not be as good as we actually think we are. And so oftentimes we think that everything is okay, and when you think you're good, you don't necessarily need another factor in your life. But Isaiah He says this, you know, the scripture tells us when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, when he came close in the presence of God, scriptures tell us in verse 5, he said, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. See, the truth is this. The closer you get to God, the more you realize how truly unworthy you really are. Because when we are far from him, we can clothe ourselves with our own righteousness. We can clothe ourselves with our own good deeds and and think of ourselves as good people. But when we truly get closer to God, his purity, his righteousness, his holiness exposes our unworthiness. And so... The closer you get to God, the truly you understand how unworthy you are and how desperately you are in need of his presence. Let me put it in this way. To understand how good God is, you sometimes have to realize how ungood you are. That's probably not correct English, but it's absolutely true. To know how good God is, sometimes you have to know how not good you are. And that's the reality of the situation because we don't know how desperately we actually need God until we stand in the holy presence of God. And so when Isaiah realized that, and you know, he was doing God's work at that point, he was serving the king and doing these tasks, but when he saw God, he saw how truly unworthy he was. 
And that leads us to this next point, because it's not just realizing how unworthy you are, it's then experiencing, number three, a genuine understanding of God's grace. It's only when you realize how unworthy you are, how desperate you are in need of God's goodness and grace. And verse 6 says, right after verse 5, it says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. It's when we understand that we need his grace, that we're able to do all things through God's abundant grace, where we truly learn to appreciate the goodness of God's grace is when we come from this place that we really, really realize how unworthy we actually are in his presence. And then we realize that God is so merciful and so good that he extends his grace into our life. And then we can appreciate with all depth and with all value the goodness of God's grace. You see, in the same way that coal, which was representative of Isaiah's guilt being removed away, in the same fashion, the blood of Jesus removes us from our sin and our unworthiness. We realize the necessity for Jesus in our life. And the reality is that I don't bring anything to Jesus. Jesus brings everything to me. There's nothing that I can bring to God that is of any worth or value. But God gives me everything of worth and everything of value when he gives me Jesus. That's when we realize God's grace is what empowers us to live a life in the light of his love. And we can share God's love with others, his genuine grace, because we have experienced it for ourselves. How can we share something with someone that we have not experienced? It's because we benefit from his grace that we can then talk, share, and speak about his abundant grace in our life. And so here's this thing. You see, when you see God's presence, when you come into God's presence, we become how aware we are of our sinfulness, which leads us to fall on our face and just appreciate God's grace in our life. And it's at that point that we can then say, God, you've blessed me. I was unworthy. I wasn't even at the place where I should deserve your grace. But Lord, you gave it to me anyway. I'm enjoying it because of your generosity. Not that anything that I have done, but it's all due to your unsubstantiated favor. That's why I enjoy this. And then I can say like Isaiah said, and that's what he said after this experience in verse 8. He said, when God says, all right then, whom shall we send? And Isaiah waves and jumps up in the air and he says, Lord, send me. I'm ready to go. Anytime, anywhere, whatever the call is, whatever the necessity is, wherever it is, if it's in the midnight hour, I'll get up out of my bed and go. It doesn't matter where you're sending me, I will go. This is not reluctance. This is not saying, mm, okay, God, well, you know, I really don't want to, but I'm going to. But this is over enthusiasm. This is enthusiastic response. I got to serve Jesus. I got to live my life for him because of what he has done for me. I have to live 
for Jesus. And this is not a one-time decision, you know. It's not something you go one time in your life. Okay, I'm going to, God send me to this, I'm going to do this, and then everything else doesn't happen after that. No, it's an ongoing process. Every moment of your life, every second of the day, every month of the year, every year of your life. God, I'm available to you. You have to realize that we live in a genuine place of conflict because our flesh, which is this body, does not want to obey the voice of God. It's our spirit that's alive within us that desires to please and live for God. And so therefore, Paul puts it this way, we have a war within our members. You know, Every time I want to do what I think I should be doing, I find myself doing what I shouldn't be doing. And therefore, Paul says, I find this war. So here's the reality. How do you live to please God? How do you live by constantly saying yes? The reality is this, whatever you feed grows, and whatever you starve dies. If you continue to feed the needs of your flesh and your earthly desires, then that's what's going to grow. And your spiritual life is going to be starved and die. But if you feed your spiritual life, the desires of the Spirit, your desire for God, that is what's going to grow and mature. And the things of this world and this flesh is going to starve and die. So here's a question that some of you might be asking. Why don't we genuinely pray this? Why don't you pray this? Why don't I pray this? Why doesn't everyone who is a genuine follower of Jesus actually pray this way and say, God, send me? You know know why? I think we might be afraid. We might be afraid because we think in our mind that we're going to have to give up something. And that's what we often think. We often think, before we think of the benefit, we think about what we have to give up. Well, I have to give up my job. I have to give up my life. I have to give up my house. I have to give up my, my comfortable way of living. I have to give up all these things and go to Tibet and serve God on a mountaintop. You know, that's what we often think. But the reality is that God often doesn't do that. He might. He might say, hey, I want you to go to Tibet and live on a mountaintop and, and speak to the monks. But most likely he's not going to do that. You know, what he's actually going to do is say, hey, at your lunch hour, why don't you sit with that person at the table? You don't have to talk to them about anything. Just sit with them because they're going through some trouble and you sitting next to them is going to actually help them. Maybe you should take some time out and go down the street to that person who's been on the corner of the street for the last month that you've walked by and maybe buy them a meal. Or maybe he's going to say, you know what, help that old lady across the street. You might be busy on your way going to run and get groceries, but there's an old lady who's desperately trying to get across the street, and I want you to just take two minutes of your day and help them across the street. Or maybe it might be that elderly person in your community who's desperately lonely, and you can stop by and spend 10 minutes talking to them and engaging with them in conversation. Maybe it's sitting down on a park bench and speaking to someone about the love of God. It doesn't have to be big issues like you selling your house and moving to another country. That's not often what God asks us to do. And as I said, he might, but we don't start there. We don't start there. Oftentimes, we just need to slow down and listen. Maybe it's just to pray for someone that God puts on your mind. The more we get in tune to the small things God is asking us to do in our everyday life, the more likely we are 
to tune in when God asks us to do something massive. And when we are ready to take that step of doing something massive, you, don't have, when you, have, you won't have to struggle at all with giving up anything because your heart will be so in tune with God that it will be a joy for you to do what it is. And you'll think, wow, this is awesome. This is amazing. I'm so willing like Isaiah to say, God, send me because I'm ready to go out there and change the world. And so often, God calls us to change our world, to change our community, to change our families, to change what's happening in our immediate lives before he calls us to do something drastically radical on the outside. It's about looking forward to saying, God, I have my day before me and I'm so excited to get an opportunity for you to speak to my life so I can bless someone, I can encourage someone, I can take a few minutes to text someone, call someone and just uplift someone. Because this day that's opening up in front of me is an exciting opportunity to be used by you. I can make a difference in my life. I can make a difference in my community. And ultimately, I can make a difference in the world. And I'm excited to say that God use me. And I look forward to it again and again. God use me. So let's be genuine Jesus followers and look for genuine experiences to catapult us, to empower us, to bless us, to encourage us to fall into and lean into God's true purpose and calling in our life. Let's stop filling our lives with mediocre things that don't sustain us, don't bring us true pleasure, true enjoyment, or sustain it with any sort of longevity. Let's continue to seek the one who can truly fulfill our lives to the extent that will give us a everlasting joy. That's what this prayer is. It's a prayer of availability. And I hope that you can make this a genuine part of your prayer life. Apart from asking God to take care of things in our life, but to also say, God, send me. I'm available to you. And I pray that you will pray this prayer. And I'm excited to hear the amazing experiences that will come out of that. And just to bring this to a close, the reason I'm standing here in Australia speaking to you is because of this prayer. You know, I wasn't born in Australia, but God brought me here. And I'm a genuine example of this prayer. God, send me. And I have not regretted it. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, there's times where it feels like this is too hard. But God has always brought me through. And I'm an example of this prayer. And I encourage you to lead a life of excitement because this is the most genuine thing you can pray. Where God's going to speak to you. And you might, if you pray this prayer, discover your real calling and your purpose in life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your generosity. 
We thank you for the genuine experiences that we've encountered in our life. And, and we desire more genuine experiences, moment to moment, day to day. And they don't have to be reserved for some special occasion. But you're seeking and you're desiring for us to have genuine, life-changing experiences, a genuine encounter of your presence in the daily activities of our life. Whether it's driving, whether it's praying, whether it's going to a meeting, whatever it is, we can invite you in and have a genuine experience. And when your presence is there, we truly discover how really unworthy we are to stand in your holy presence. But you don't send us away. You don't cast us out. You give us grace and you pour grace into our life inexhaustibly over and over again. And we're so grateful and thankful that your grace covers us. And therefore, it's with great joy and with great pleasure that we can say, God, send us. Send us to the lost, send us to the broken, send us to our neighbors, send us to our family members that are going through distress and anxiety. Our calling might not be across the world in another nation. It might be to our husband and our wife sitting right across us from the table. It might be the children in our household. It might be our neighbors and friends and our co-workers just as much as it is anywhere else. And so Lord God, let our hearts, our genuine prayer be God, send me. Send me to be your light, to be your salt, to show your love, to demonstrate your grace, and to talk about your goodness to those all around us. We thank you for those that have stepped forward and are willing to pray this prayer. I pray for them. I pray for all of us that you'll continue to equip us, to bless us, encourage us, and guide us forward in your love and in your grace. I thank you and I bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.